the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic for sports fans, for NFL draft fans. Visit theathletic.com slash track on your web browser. Register, get 40% off your first year. Download the app, personalize it. You get exclusive ad-free content every single day. That's theathletic.com slash track. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy NFL Draft Day. Going to touch on it a little bit here up top and up front in terms of the NFL, some numbers. I'm going to bounce around sports because I am NFL'd out. I don't know about you, man. Mock drafts, will they, won't they, trades, all that stuff. It gets exhausting at times. So we, uh, we follow things as closely as possible. Certainly, we'll be tracking everything on spottrack.com slash NFL slash draft. We'll have that on the homepage as well all weekend long. You can click, you can follow along with every single pick. We'll have projected contracts for every single pick. Team spending, team breakdowns, college breakdowns, agent breakdowns, as much as we can find that information. It'll be uh, as thorough and as quick as updated as possible from Thursday through Sunday. And then, of course, it's UDFA season. So bear with me, send coffee. It's a big weekend for Spot Track and for NFL updates. Off the top here, 50-year options are coming in. That's a big one. It's a big one because the fully guarantee hits immediately. So some of these players, there's going to be question marks. Some of these players, I think, will go right down to the wire with the May 3rd deadline. But for the most part, we've got some no-brainers locked in here, right? Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams, Devin White, TJ Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, Brian Burns, Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat locked in. And, of course, Kyler Murray last night was the big one. An absolute no-brainer couple more that should have no problem. Josh Allen with Jacksonville, the other Josh Allen. Uh, Rashawn Gary, Green Bay. Christian Wilkins, Miami. I think those are locks. And, uh, and then it gets a little interesting. Noah Fant is locked in, by the way, as well with, with uh, Seattle. So there's quite a bit to look at here. Again, though, we've got the projected option on the player page and on the team's 2023 cap page. So you can understand what the player might be there. We do have an option tracker that we're, that we're building out here where you can go back all the years of NFL drafts from 2019 back and see exactly how every single first-round pick favored in terms of exercised, waived, you know, declined the option. He, wasn't, uh, uh, he extended before the option. The, the hit rates, the exercise rates, and things like that, positional breakdown. So we do have a tracker built out for fifth-year options that should help uh, – with some current and historical information, and I'll be posting that out as more and more of these decisions come to the forefront. Okay, and speaking of that draft tracker, as I mentioned up the top here, something we should all be bookmarking for the next couple of days. I want to explain some of the rookie contracts as they break down from pick one to pick 262 this year with comp picks. The number one overall pick should come in at about $41 million. We're projecting 41.4 with a 27 and change signing bonus. All right. That drops to around 34 million at pick five, 23 million at pick 10. And if you go all the way down, right, to the end of the first round, it drops from 41.4 to 12.4. So it's a big drop off from the top to the bottom of that first round. For the most part, all 32 picks should be fully guaranteed. We do see some instances where at the back end of the, of the first round, teams are able to squeak out maybe a, a half fourth year salary guarantee. But for the most part, the first round is fully guaranteed. All the first rounders will have the fifth year option. 
That's baked into the CBA. But that's your drop-off, about 41-4 to 12-4 for the four-year rookie contract for first-rounders. Once you get to round two, we're under 10 mil. All right, that's the drop-off, and that's the difference between round one and round two. So if you're a running back, uh, you better hope. Or if you're a Brees Hall or Kevin Murray, one of those players, you ought to be. I mean, you're talking almost $2.5 to go from pick 32 to pick 33. That's generally how things have dropped off here. If you're, let's say you're the last pick in the first round at 12.4. If you're the last pick in the second round, you're at or around 6 million for four years. Think about that. That's one and a half million per year. Okay. That's the kind of value that's pick 64. That's why this rookie wage scale is so powerful for front offices. It's, it's nuts value. Nuts. Think about if pick 64 is a running back. Okay. Six years, six million dollars over four years. Melvin Gordon just got two and a half million for one year. Even Melvin Gordon's bottom of the barrel veteran contract to be an RB two in Denver is more per year than what the sixty fourth pick in the draft will cost you on average for four years. That's the value you get out of the rookie contract. That's why running backs and safeties and some of these lower paid positions, it's just a slam dunk to go this route. There's just no need to go veteran salary, and that's bad news for veterans, and I'm not trying to push away from them, but I just wanted to show how powerful this is. So for the most part in round two, you know, the top of round two, you'll have three years fully guaranteed. As you go down towards the back end of round two, it's going to be start to be two years, maybe a little bit of the third year fully guaranteed, and then round three is where it gets really squirrely. There's some negotiation back and forth. There's no really set in stone moniker, but for the most part, Round three, we'll have 2023 fully guaranteed, and then maybe a little bit more. Maybe it'll trickle into 2024. But after that, it's signing bonus and done. That's it. Whatever your signing bonus is, so for your round four, you know, top of the round four, you're talking about 930000 for that bonus. That's your guarantee. Your base salaries will not be guaranteed basically from round four on. There's some wiggle room round three. Um, you know, maybe some teams will sneak in some workout bonuses that give guys a little bit earlier cash flow, but that's generally how it works. Round one, almost entirely fully guaranteed. You might have some exceptions. Round two, for the most part, three years, maybe some change in, into the fourth year. And then round three is going to be two years, maybe a, a little bit in the third, but probably not. And then it's signing bonus guarantee, and that's it from four through seven. So something to keep an eye on. As players kind of fall where they fall, and you know, if somebody slips out from round two to round three, it means most likely an entire base salary of guarantee that's falling off of that player's roster, not to mention a lower contract. Okay, not only is the real NFL draft happening, but it's time to start thinking about your fantasy NFL draft. Do you love fantasy sports? Of course you do. Are you looking for a brand new challenge, a difficult challenge this year? Our friends at Dynasty Owner are back. Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries using all the strategies that it takes to run an actual NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience. It's a fun one too. We've done this for a few years now. It's a unique and challenging experience that tests your skills as an owner and as a general manager and really as a coach too, right? Who to start, who to sit. You'll have complete control over your team's future. You can build to the draft, make full trades, sign free agents, all while, meet, while managing your team's actual salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up today at dynastyowner.com and get started on building your next 
NFL franchise. That's dynastyowner.com. Great app too. Easy app to use when you're when you're when you're managing things throughout the season. It's a strong company. This is these are guys are great. I've been on their show. They've been on my show. <clears throat> this is a a company we highly endorse, and it's a game that's really fun. And like I said, it's challenging. This is not like other fantasy sports. Give it a shot this year. Dynastyowner.com. Quick quarterback segment because generally right now we'd be all going crazy about which quarterbacks are going to be drafted and, and how things are going to shake up in terms of the, the depth charts and the rotations and maybe there's some players that fall out of favor and that's just not the case with this draft as you've heard from a million people a million different ways yes i think malik willis goes to a team that needs a quarterback yes i think kenny pickett goes to a team that needs a quarterback carolina and pittsburgh seem to be those teams that's all i'll say about my mock drafting okay um, i don't think either impact what i'm about to get to which is projected 22 starters so I'm sitting there in the shower this morning where I like to do all my deep thinking, as I'm sure many people do. And my initial thought was, oh, I, I, should, I should refer to the fact that the league is kind of graduated from the rookie contract starting quarterback. It feels like so many of these guys have gotten paid. It feels like most of these guys are now vets, right? Four plus years settled into the role. Yeah, we had some shakeup in terms of some carousel players this year. But, you know, Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson, whether he's wearing orange or wearing, wearing green. So that was my initial thought. I should talk about how we're, we're cycling out of rookie contracts. And then I sat down and looked at the names, and I started to put these things in bullet points together. And I got to the fact that I think 14 quarterbacks are going to be on a rookie contract heading into 2022. That includes fifth-year options, so that's Lamar, that's Darnold, I don't even have Baker included yet, but it's either probably going to be Baker or Drew Locke. So that's a rookie contract, however you slice it. But 14 of the 30, is, is that a, you know, I, I think that's as many as we've had. That's as many as we had. 14 of 32, slightly under half. That's Davis Mills. That's Trevor Lawrence. That's Joe Burrow. It's just more than I thought. And maybe it's more than you thought as well. Because there's so much of the focus has been on the Matt Ryans, the Deshaun Watsons, the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers, and, the, and even the Brady here later on the stage. So, you know, some of these quote-unquote bad teams or projected to be bad teams, they're carrying bridge veterans, right? Goff, Wentz, Trubisky, Matt Ryan to some degree, a really good bridge. But that's not the norm. That's sort of the outlier here. And for the most part, teams are still trying to do this through the draft. It may be somebody else's draft pick, and that's kind of been the fun part of it, right? Teams are willing to move away from the rookie contract if it's the wrong fit, if it's the wrong player. And that's been fun, where GMs have gotten so aggressive to the point of where pretty much everything's off the table. And I think that's, that's Arizona and Josh Rosen to thank for that. I think that was a really big step a really big moment milestone in NFL GMing, to, to, to coin the verb, that, look, this, this system is built in place to protect us, okay? And there's no more $80 million Sam Bradford rookie contracts out there, all right? This system is garnered and governed to protect us financially, and we should use it. We should be aggressively saying, okay, we weren't okay giving up $60 million for a player that we hated, but we should be okay giving up 30 if we have to, because we're rich enough. We have 
ways to manipulate the cap every way you look, as everybody in the world now knows. And that was a big milestone moment when Josh Rosen was moved on for and Kyler Murray was brought in immediately after. And I just think now most teams operate with the get in, get out mentality. And the evaluation process is no longer four years. God, that felt like forever that was the, that was the process in the NFL. Let's give everybody four years. Then it dropped to three. And now it's just not three. It's just not. You know, if, if some of these court, if Jalen Hurts is not the guy this year, two and a half years in, he's done. That team is ready around him. And if he takes a step back over the first six weeks, you know, especially in Philly, they're going to riot around him. So it's, uh, it's really good for the sport. We've talked about how things have to get more transactional. Uh, the NBA has been the king of this in, in, on a much smaller scale. But that, pot, that, that continual over and over use of let's get in, let's get out, Let's make sure we have the right fit at, a, at every point in time. Chemistry, culture, all that stuff matters, but it's got to be done with a lot more brevity. It's got to be done with, if you're not the guy, you're going. You're going. And we'll find a trade partner and we'll make it work. So it's been great to see. It's been a lot of fun these past two NFL off seasons. I don't think we're done yet. I have a feeling by the time I finish recording this, I may be flipping up uh, Twitter and finding a couple more trades happening here. Veteran experienced players that are moving with some draft picks to kind of get, get guys geared up for Thursday and Friday. So it's been a really good uh, process. <clears throat> but 14 rookie quarterbacks, I do think, are, are, are about to take the helm. Somebody in Seattle, Kyler Murray, and, and you can say he might get his contract. I don't see it. Sam Darnold or somebody. Justin Fields for sure. Jalen Hurts for sure. Daniel Jones. Justin Herbert, for sure. Trevor Lawrence, for sure. Davis Mills. Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson, via contract. Zach Wilson. Mac Jones. Tua Tonga Viola. There's your 14. I don't think anybody's going to usurp those guys right now. It's just uh, kind of late in the game, and the draft isn't strong enough to do that. It's possible. But I don't think anybody's going to usurp that process. You know, Baker comes in on his fifth-year option and takes over for Drew Locke, or takes over for Davis Mills, something, right, in, in terms of that might happen. But outside of that, and outside of an injury, almost half the league still on a rookie contract at the quarterback position. That one surprised me. Will it cycle out eventually? Well, Burrow's going to get one, a contract. Lamar's going to get a contract. I expect Kyler in the next 12 months will get a contract. Um, Herbert's going to get a contract. So that will start to cycle through a little bit. But same time, what you know, does the veteran quarterback fall off in Washington, Atlanta, Carolina? Right? I mean, does Tom Brady come back? Does Jameis Winston come back? Or is that a rookie quarterback in 2023? Jimmy Garoppolo could become Trey Lance. That could be 15 this year, but certainly next year. So, yeah, there's a lot of turnover here. And I do think that this half of the league mentality might stick around for a while. I think it might stick around for a while because it seems that the veterans are, fall, are turning into rookies as quickly as the rookies are turning into veterans, especially at this position. And the money's big no matter where you look. The Brooklyn Nets were swept by the Boston Celtics. I think if you watched that series, that probably didn't surprise you come game three, come game four. Boston's just built to win, man. That's a, that's a fun, fun team, defensively speaking, certainly with their superstars growing up to uh, 
to dominate, especially in the terms of Jason Tatum, which is good news for me because I've got a pretty fun Jason Tatum rookie card that I was pretty much ready to punt on until this year. And then I said, you know what? That might have some value now. So <laughs> that's always good news for me. Brooklyn's done. They're heading to off-season mode. Not a slam dunk that this thing just comes back for round two, but I'd be hard-pressed to say that it won't. There's a decent amount of free agents, especially in terms of the depth. Bruce Brown Jr., Goran Dragic, a couple of big men in Drummond, Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. I don't know what happens with any of those five guys. Nicholas Claxton's a restricted free agent. He can't shoot free throws, but he's got a lot of value otherwise, especially in terms of gritty defense. So he'll stick around for sure. But this depth stuff is where they're going to have to get better because I believe, certainly Durant's back. And, you know, he's got quite a bit, quite a few years left through 2025-26. Kyrie Irving has a player option. It's 36.9. If he opts out, he can make that 42.7. So he's going to opt out, <laughs> okay? Nobody's going to leave $6 million on the table. Although, Kyrie does everything backwards to be cool, so maybe he does this backwards. I wouldn't imagine so. Maybe the thought of getting to free agency is intriguing to him. I guess I shouldn't downplay that. That's probably an important part of this process, but there's $6 million waiting for him if he opts out. So let's assume he opts out. Now we, now we have a situation where Brooklyn needs him, you know, he's certainly one of the best options in basketball right now. And he's as creative and as talented as he's ever been. He's also as polarizing as he's ever been. And he's also been as unavailable as he's ever been. And you can say the vaccine stuff is part of it. Sure. If you just look at the resume, the days off, the injuries, he's about a 50% player in terms of availability. And I know that's playing right into the whole vaccine situation. He was literally a 50% player this year. But, what, you know, isn't it, isn't it just going to be what's next with this guy? That's really hard to bank on if you're staring at five years and $247 million as the, the maximum option for this player. And that's fine, right? I think a lot of teams would just say, let's just sign up for it. We'll get out when we need to get out. But like I said, Durant is through 2025 at $44 million plus per year. It's $44 million next year. It goes up to the 50s thereafter. Then you got Ben Simmons, who's three for 115 over the next three seasons. And, you know, $35 million in chains next year. If Kyrie goes max, Kyrie plus Kevin Durant plus Ben Simmons next year is $122.2 million of cash and cap. The league salary cap is supposed to be 122 next year. So uh, it's not uncommon. You know, this big three stuff has been around and we've seen three players basically dominate a team's entire financial outlook. The problem for me is that it's those three players. Durant is all-worldly, but he missed a huge chunk this year. A huge chunk. So Durant, availability at question marks. Other than that, no question marks. Irving. Major availability question marks. Ben Simmons, major availability question marks. And then the depth behind them, right? The two point guards behind him and Bruce Brown and Goran Dragic. UFAs, Patty Mills is on a player option, 6.1 million. Got to think he's going to punt on that. So he'll need a contract situation. So all the point guards in Brooklyn are basically up. Let's put it that way. All of them. All of the big men 
you know, and I guess I would include Ben Simmons in that regard because I just can't imagine Ben Simmons is going to play point guard for the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to be asked to do paint work. All the big men not named Ben Simmons are up. You can patch this thing together with exceptions and, and minimum contracts, and that's certainly what they've had to do. But at what point in time does this look like the Lakers? You know, or what point in time does it get to look like the Lakers? It's a terrifying situation because we now have this, this outlook, right? This, this reference point that is the Los Angeles Lakers that was player-driven. There's no question about it that Anthony Davis and LeBron James wanted Russell Westbrook and wanted the rest of those players to go in favor of Russell Westbrook. And there's no question that that was the wrong decision. And there's no question that the players that they had to, to fill in the blanks with, right? The other six roster spots of older past their prime vets didn't even come close to holding their weight through 82 games. Didn't even come close. And that's the risk you take when you're, you're all in on the big three process like Brooklyn appears to be. And, and that's what this is. And it's a big one with two big question marks is what it is at 122 million plus for next year. So there's a lot to think about here if you're Sean Marks. And there's going to be a lot of pressure from Durant, rightfully so. Kyrie Irving's already come out and said, we, you know, we collectively as a team have to figure this out. That's bad news because that sounds like LeBron James sitting down with Rob Plunka and spend picking out the players he wants to play with in 2021-22. That's what it sounds like to me, that collectively Kyrie Irving's going to have a lot of say in what happens here over the next few months. That's bad news. That's bad news. That is player empowerment gone a little too far, in my opinion. Sure. These guys know the league. All right, Draymond, Draymond Green gets in front of a microphone often and talks extremely intelligently about players and other teams and other teams' outlooks in the process. He's going to be great at this when this, that becomes his career. And I realize there's a lot of players that follow the league, follow the analytics closely, and really understand how this thing's supposed to work. And LeBron's probably one of those players. But at some point in time, stuff just catches up to you. And I think it is caught up to LeBron James. And I don't have any reason to believe that Kyrie Irving knows the league like LeBron James knows the league. He just doesn't appear to be that kind of player. He's intelligent in his own right. He is provocative in his own right. But I don't know if I want Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving making any kind of decisions with filling the blanks of eight roster spots that are pretty damn important, right? I mean, it, it, this is not a, a, a sprint. It's a marathon season. And availability is a problem on this roster. It has been for two years. I don't see why it won't continue to be a problem. There's question marks all across the board with these big three. Picking those, the nine players to go in behind them to make a 12-man roster for, for October is difficult and as important as any other decision that, that teams will have this offseason. Let these guys stay away from it. Let the, let, the, let the bosses do the job on this one. And that goes for the Lakers as well. All right, the rare and elusive NHL segment on the Track podcast. It's time. I've been watching quite a bit of hockey lately, ramping up for the playoffs, which are, God, so late this year because of the Olympics, but we deal. Kind of like things scattered a little bit in terms of the NBA and Major League Baseball and whatnot, so should be able to focus a little bit more on these teams. And look, I've done segments on McDavid before, uh, but it's time, and I don't think this should bore anybody. This guy, if you're just a sports fan, if you're just an, a fan of athletics, this guy is worth the price of admission, and I got to toss some numbers your way on this guy here again. All right. 
first of all, uh, kind of an encompassing look at the NHL this year, which has been strong. It, it's a scoring league right now, and it's, it's, it's similar to, I guess, maybe two years ago with the NFL where the young quarterbacks came in, and you could just tell they were about to take over. You know, Burrow kind of put the icing on that cap last year, and Mahomes did it a few years back, and Josh Allen maybe in between. That's kind of where we are, where these kids in the NHL, they're not rookies, right? They're, they're almost experienced vets now, four years in or so, five, six, some of them. But they're still under 25, and they're just dominating this league right now, especially in terms of production. So five players right now. There's two games left. Some teams have won. So we're pretty much at the finish line, but there's probably three or four points to be tossed onto this list. Five players currently have 100-plus points which is a big threshold to get to. McDavid, Jonathan Huberto, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Steven Samkos, the, the kind of the old, uh, the old dog in this crew, got back up there. There's two more sitting right there at 97, trying to get in here in the last uh, couple of days. So certainly five, realistically six or seven, could get to that plateau. It's a huge number, and it's really good for the league. This is a league that has tried via CBA, via rule changes to get more scoring, to get more eyeballs on this league. And this is a really good sign, especially when your superstars are there. And what do I mean by that? Of those, top, of those five players with 100 points, three of them are top five pay. So your high-paid superstars are putting the production, putting the puck in the net, at least being involved in plays that put the puck in the net. And McDavid's at the top of this list. He's, uh, as you might imagine, He's, I believe, seven points clear of Huberto right now in Florida. Florida's having a monster season, by the way. I know nobody there is watching or showing up, but across the league, Florida is one of those teams that's must-see, and Edmonton is there as well. Um, McDavid's leading the way, and I'll kind of transition quickly to him before I go back to a, a more all-encompassing look. It's 696 points now in 486 games. That's 1.43 points per game. That's already sixth in NHL history. I don't know if it's sustainable. Gretzky's almost two. So it, we're just in a different world with hockey right now. But the fact that this guy is doing this in this sport right now in this era, it, it's must-see. It, it really is must-see. 696 in 486. It's phenomenal stuff. What does that mean? It means if I'm a father of two kids that enjoy going to a hockey game, I'm paying to see this guy because... Every single time I show up, there's going to be at least two plays, two scoring plays where this guy's involved. That's what this guy is telling me statistically. That's really good for business. That's really good for TV. That's really good for in-game. It's really good for the Oilers, of course, but it's an incredible number. Look, this guy put up 105 <laughs> points in 56 games last season. Last season could have been a 140, 150-point year if it's a real season, if it's a full season. So we got robbed of greatness last year. That's kind of like Griffey in that strike-shortened season back in the day. One of, the, one of my other favorite players slash seasons of all time. So that's 696 points. Okay, let's break it down by just the last five years, and that includes the shortened 2020 season. Five years combined, he's got 548 points in those five years. It's 70 points more than any other player in hockey. His teammate tries idle 478 is second. That's where this is right now. This is A and then the rest of the alphabets below him. 
and it's nuts and it's fun and it's exciting. He, he does have some injuries because he does play a little reckless. But look, he's playing 70, 80, you know, 70 games a year here. It's not like this guy's missing time. This feels a lot like LeBron, right? Where there were a lot more, there are a lot of Gretzkys in the league back in the day. And now Ovechkin is kind of that player. And if you kind of think about the NBA right now, we do have a lot of players, you know, Kobe just kind of went through that. I'm going to be Jordan. I'm going to score, 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 score. And he kind of capped that off with this final game ever, right? Then we got LeBron, who was more magic, more, I'm going to do everything. I want to be everywhere. I want to be the face of this league, not just because I put the ball in the net, not just because I have amazing dunks, which we've seen some players, you know, kind of come through and be. I'm going to be the all-encompassing player. That is Connor McDavid. Ovechkin's the goal scorer. McDavid is that all-encompassing player. And there's another player sort of on the path of maybe in between these guys, and I'll get to him in a second. But he's everything. He's everything to this league. He's buried in Edmonton, which is, you know, it's a good hockey town. It's tough for the U.S. market. We've talked about this before, how the NHL has to split this thing up. And it's tough. Their advertising suffers. Their overall ratings suffer because of the Canada-U.S. split. And, And, you know, a lot of these great teams now, and, and rightfully so, are being focused back to the Canadian, the Canadian franchises. So Toronto's good. Toronto has the next player to, to, be, to mention here. Edmonton's good. Edmonton has this McDavid Drysaddle package. And then we go from there. You know, the Colorados, the Carolinas. And uh, by the way, I'm forgetting Calgary, who was stormed to the top of the league this year. So it's a good time to be Canadian hockey. That is good for hockey from a revenue standpoint, especially up there. But it's tough for the U.S. market. And that's why I like to bring it to the light every now and then on this show, that there are some incredible things happening, especially with this guy. And uh, he's locked up for four more years. He's at the top of the list, still 12, 12 and a half million per year. So as long as Edmonton stays healthy and competitive, he'll be their, their superstar. Him and Dries will kind of connect at the hip here. The two of them combined for almost 35 million. So in a cap that doesn't rise very much, it's going to be very hard to continue to build around them but from a production standpoint, they are unmatched right now as a one-two, one-two pair. All right, I mentioned uh, the next guy in line, and that's Austin Matthews, who posted the first 60-goal season from 2011-12, and that was Steven Stamkos. Only 40 players have ever done it. That's more than I actually thought when I went to do the research. That's, the, the list was bigger than I thought it was going to be, but look, he, he's U.S.-born. He's on Toronto. That's great for hockey. <laughs> okay. Toronto's relevant. They're not the best team in the East, that's for sure. But they're relevant. And uh, this guy's a, a legit superstar. So if I tell you that 25-year-old Connor McDavid is 102nd in points all time, he's going to crack the top 100 next year. I think he's going to crack the top 90 next year based on the, uh, the production that he's done on average. Austin Matthews, with this 60-goal season, is already 104th all-time in goal score. He's got 259 since 2016. He's not 25. He's 24. So there's a real chance, you know, not, not maybe to... I mean, Ovechkin is the guy of this generation, and I'm not trying to downplay that. And he's got another 50-goal season. It's, he's a freak of nature. And, you know, his nickname, Machine, tells you everything you need to know about Ovechkin. But there's this guy now who's 24 who has a real chance. We, we thought Patrick Kane was going to be that guy. I don't think Patrick Kane ever had the makeup, physically or mentally, to go the distance, though. He had a phenomenal stretch run there, and he's still posting pretty good numbers. He's fourth 
over the past five seasons in points, by the way. So it's not like this guy has dropped off a cliff. But Matthews has stormed onto the scene, the number one pick, the U.S. kid going to Toronto. There's just a lot built into him, baked into his cake. And this was the official coming out party. He's had good years, great years. This is the official coming out party, the 60-goal season. It's time to start watching. It's time to start putting some eyeballs on this guy. He is third in pay. He's already launched his big contract, $11.6 million per year. He's where we need to be. Him and McDavid now can carry this league. They really can do it on their, on their own. And Toronto and Edmonton being great is good for hockey in Canada. Who's that American team player? You know, Stamkos and Tampa Bay are trying to be, but God, Florida hockey is just, it's just a ghost town. There's just nothing you can get to it. You, you'll get some eyeballs on television, but we do need the Carolinas, the Colorados, maybe even some of these younger teams, right? The Buffaloes, the Calgary's growing up here and, uh, and putting this thing together so that there's legitimate, there's rivalry, there's intrigue because we do have production. We do have stats and these high paid players are, uh, are giving you bang for buck. And that's really good for the league. So we, we crap on the NHL quite a bit here. The lack of innovation, the lack of uh, revenue that's driving the salary cap, that's allowing teams to be more frivolous. And uh, kind of underneath our, underneath our skin here, right? These superstars are growing up into the legitimate must-see television. So I wanted to shed some light on it. Contractually speaking, you know, Huberto in, in Florida has got one year left. He'll be on an expiring contract next year. So you can expect an extension there. Whether or not he's going to be up there with the big boys remains to be seen. Florida is okay in terms of their contract structure. They're not, they're, you know, they're not the, the, the big boy franchises that you would expect. But I have a feeling he's going to be right there with the Austin Matthews of the world. So 11 million plus, maybe 12 million. Maybe he'll sneak right under, right under McDavid. I don't think he's going to approach the McDavid contract. And by the way, there's a max salary process in the NHL where you can only go a certain percentage of the league salary cap at any point in time. So he's the next to, to get paid in this conversation. Stamkos has two years left at a ridiculous eight and a half million. Um, he just signed a monster contract five years ago and it's got its legs left. So good value there. What happened to the other top five paid players this year? Uh, Artemi Panarin with the Rangers. He's the number two paid player in hockey, just ahead of Matthews. He's eighth in points with 96. There's an outside chance he gets to 100. He's one of those players kind of teetering right there. And Eric Carlson's the top paid defender. He's the number four paid player in hockey. Tough year, 50 games played, 35 points. He's in the middle of the pack. So you're going to have those kind of things, no question. Look at the NBA rankings if you want to know how, how uh, inconsistent the top paid players can be in terms of these smaller contracts. But the... Uh, the NHL is healthy with their superstars. There's no question about it. And look, this conversation, in my opinion, needs to lead to Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, at least in the finals. One of them, both would be incredible. One of them in the finals. That's the icing that the NHL needs on this cake for the 2021-22 season. All right, my thanks to Dynasty Owner. Check it out, dynastyowner.com. Get your fantasy year off to a start early and start building that team like the real teams will be doing over the next couple of weeks. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. Happy NFL Draft, everybody. Happy NBA Playoffs. We'll be back soon with another edition of the Spot Track Podcast.